May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, how is everyone on this uh, rainy Sunday morning? I thought I would be on, what, year, or months ago, I thought this Sunday I would be on a snowboard in West Virginia with our youth group this morning. And lo and behold, Joe said, you know what, I want to do that this year. So that is where <laughs> he is, and I am here with all of you, but delighted, delighted to be here. I have to say, life is full of firsts, is it not? And what I mean by this is we are all by now, in this day and age, we are used to advertising. And everywhere we go, you drive up and down Highway 13 or anywhere in any town, and even today the smallest of towns, you're at least going to be see one sign that, say, that is an advertisement pointing you to something that you just have to have. And in this day and age of social media, there's analytics, which you go and buy something and you have an active social media account. Companies like Google are studying what you're looking at and then they're gonna throw up an advertisement on your page and, and it's it used to be I was an advertising major in undergrad and it used to be that in any given day you would see 500 advertisements but in this day and age they have stopped counting because they're numerous and they just keep coming at you but there's one thing I had never seen until I moved to Jacksonville Florida and everywhere I had ever been was the sandwich sign. The kid or person standing on the side of the road taking advertising to a whole new level with an arrow that's got something on it like look this way or the company or, or whatever it is. I had never seen that before. And it, I giggle every time I see it because you see the, the kid or adult, whoever it is, that's just, they're embarrassed to be there. They've got their hoodie pulled down over their eyes. They've got their sunglasses on and maybe they're hiding behind the sign just looking at their phone collecting a paycheck. And then you see those people that are really into it and they're doing backflips and dance moves and ninja kicks and all kinds of things set with that arrow pointing. It's a sign pointing to something. And I wanted that illustration to stick in your head because we have some sort of that type of thing this morning. Our, our author of the Gospel of John, actually what we have is the wedding feast in Cana where Jesus performs his first of seven miracles. Other, but the translation allows for miracle to also be a sign. And that's what John read for us this morning, is we have a sign which points to something this morning. So I want you to see our author of the Gospel of John as with one of those big signs saying, look at what's coming. Look at what's coming. And that's where we're going to go with the rest of our sermon. We're going to talk about the context to set up what that sign is what the sign actually is, and then the meaning of it for us today. And then we're going to finish off with how this gospel informs, the passage we have today informs our discipleship. 
as those 21st century disciples of Jesus Christ. So let's do a little contextual work to really get into John 2, 1 through 11 this morning. We have a grand party known as a Jewish wedding as the backdrop to this story. And this was not like our weddings that we have today, where for the most part we have the ceremony, which takes an hour or so, and all the preparation before that. And then you have the party afterwards, the gift, the cake, and all of those things. And you either leave after five or six hours and you say, that was fun, or that was a waste of time. And we have been to too many of those things. But we enter into the idea and concept of what a Jewish wedding was. They would last anywhere from seven to seven to 14 days. And the entire village was invited. We hear this is in Cana, which was not a large metropolitan area. So the entire village, both servants, those that would be working the wedding, and even the up to the most powerful of people were invited to this one to two week wedding festival. And whenever a wedding was going to happen, it was a big deal that would also bring a little hope and a little celebration. As in that part of the world, there wasn't a lot in this day and age that we're talking about to look forward to. But when two people would come together and there would be the grand party, it was something that the small villages would always look forward to. And we hear the importance of wine. For a seven to 14 day party, there had to be enough wine to drink. And it was a big deal. And you, you hear the, the tradition that you would bring the good wine out first. And then once everybody had had a good amount, you could bring out the stuff that didn't taste very good because everybody would think they're still drinking the good stuff. But here we have Mary. And it was very important, especially for the groom's family, to bring and have enough wine for everybody, for the entire village. And it was actually very socially unacceptable if, you, if the family of the groom ran out of wine because it would hint that, well, if they can't provide for this giant party for the whole town, that they would, they couldn't, that he, the bride, the groom could not provide for his wife. So there was a lot of shame if you ran out of the feast drink of the wine for this big party. Enter Mary, the mother of Jesus. She realizes that somewhere during this party, at the wedding that the family is running out of wine. And being the good, caring mother that she was, she came to Jesus. And the what she, she's, she's worrying about what's going on and, oh, can we do something to help them have enough wine for the rest of this party? And what she, she says to Jesus, bringing this earthly problem, which has a lot of significance in that day and time, but Jesus changes it and answers her in a way which you probably found, if you were really listening, maybe a little shocking. Jesus comes and says, they're running out of wine. And I loved the emphasis that John put on it when he read it. Woman, Jesus answers, what is this problem to you and I? My hour has not yet come. And this is the one line 
I want to use to as the key to tell us what is really going on as we consider the context and now the very meaning of this miracle or sign story that we have in John. Now, can you imagine Peter or one of the disciples pulling Jesus aside and say, dang, Jesus, you were a little tough on your mama, weren't you? He said, woman, what is this problem that I have? And as we hear that with our 21st century ears in our culture, we know that if any man, especially a son, speaks to his mother in this day and age, we know what's going to happen. But it was different in the story that we have today. It was actually a sign of respect both on a deeper theological level, level as well as a Jesus just being a son level that we have in the answer, woman, what is this problem to me backed by the very significant my hour has not yet come. What we have here is Jesus stepping into his messiahship, his saviorship, he has grown with his mother who has raised him from a baby in the manger to being baptized by John the Baptist, which we heard last week. And now he is released into his earthly ministry and where he will be with the disciples for three and a half years. And when he says, my hour has not yet come, what he is referencing is the hour of his death with all the glory that will come afterwards in his resurrection. He has grown from this baby to an awkward teenager that was also schooling the best of the teachers in the temple. And yet we have other stories of Jesus falling and Mary holding him as he's crying as a 12-year-old. And now he is 30 years old. Mary comes to him at this wedding with this problem and says, they're running out of wine. And he, in correct tone, says, woman, in a very respectable way, I'm not worried about those things. Even though I will answer it and bring the greatest wine they have ever tasted, I am not concerned about these earthly things any longer. With my baptism, I am now focused on the work that has to be done to prepare the disciples and the world for when I will step into being the promised savior of the world. In essence, he is telling her, I must be about the things of God now. I must be about my father's business. And we'll talk about her response to that in how we close. But I want to look at the actual miracle or what the actual sign is before we get to Mary's response there. We see that Jesus says there are, or John tells us, informs us, there are six 20 to 30 gallon jars or big buckets that will hold up to 30 gallons of water each that were used for the Jewish rite of purification. That meaning, going back to the Old Testament things of things being unclean and clean. Now, if a person had an illness 
or a behavior had led them to temptation of any way, there were a number of things that could be unclean. And with these ceremonial large jars of water, they would use them to cleanse the outside. If you had done something bad, you called up your priest, the temple priest on speed dial and said, we got to do that, that ritual cleaning again. And then you just waited until you did something wrong again or were somehow unclean. And you would do this ritual over and over again to cleanse you on the outside for every time you had done something. This is the significance of Jesus stepping in and that he uses these jars to produce what we hear 180 gallons, first of water, that changes to the best wine that anybody had ever tasted at this wedding story that we have. This is so theologically significant for all of us, as it is the very essence of the gospel. Enter Jesus, what he is preparing for, the salvific work that he will step to the trial to his death, and then to his resurrection. He is saying with this miracle or this sign, this is the big aha, this is the, the prophesied Messiah. No longer. That old rite of ceremonial cleaning is old. And it, is, it served its time and place, but the new has come. The new wine has come with Jesus. New life new meaning, and new purpose. As he would go to his cross, die the death that would wipe away all uncleanliness for all of us, for all of humanity in all time to set us all free. No longer did we have to go through that you do something wrong, you cleanse on the outside and repeat it over and over and over again. With this new wine, in Jesus coming, dying on the cross for us, being about his father's business, he said, I'm going to go inside and work in the heart and that will transform the outside in one final atoning sacrifice. No longer the call up your priest on the speed dial and keep doing the ceremony over and over. He becomes the ritual as he is God and goes to his death where death could not hold him and he is resurrected, the new wine, new life. The old has gone and the new has come. This is the very essence of the gospel. And do you see why it is so important for us, even here as 21st century disciples of Jesus Christ? We are clean. He took our uncleanliness, our sinfulness, transformed it from the inside out on his cross. And this is why he told Mary, woman, why does this earthly problem matter to either of us? I now step into the role. I step out of the, out of the strangeness of being a child it raised, now I'm baptized in that whole dilemma, the mystery of fully man and fully God, the sign that the Messiah has come is the very meaning of what we have. And I said I would finish with Mary's response because I think it informs our being disciples and our discipleship as we walk our faith day in and day out, even today. 
as Mary is, receives that slight respectable rebuke from Jesus saying, I must be about my father's business. She says, do you remember what she said? She turns to those that would bring the wine to everyone and says, do what he says. She realized that he is stepping into his authority as the Messiah and Savior of the world. And she knew all along that that would happen at some point. And what we have is Jesus stepping into his birthright, his destiny as the Savior of the world, and Mary raising him and going through what she, everything she had gone through says, oh, I know what is coming next. It is a transfer of authority. Jesus will always respect the earthly authority of his mother, but he is now stepping into his divine authority. And this means much for us. As Mary recognizes that, she says, do what he says. Ask for obedience. And you see those in this story that were touched and recognized what Jesus was going through. Mary knew it. Our gospel this morning closes off with, and his disciples at the miracle are at this sign pointing to what he would do and why he had come. They believed. And we even see the great maitre d' of this wedding saying, that's the best wine I had ever had. What is the encounter with the new wine and the new life of Jesus Christ? It begs for us as disciples, obedience. But when we hear that word obedience in terms of discipleship, we all too easily think begrudging submission. Oh, he asked me to do it, so I guess I'll do it. But when you realize the sign pointing at Jesus and to his, what this miracle means for all of us, we all experience from the inside out change change in our lives that puts us on the right direction, the right path with Christ. And we, this is the actual meaning of discipleship. It's not doing what he said to do out of begrudging submission. We are growing into his likeness. As we celebrated at Christmas, we celebrate every Sunday the resurrection and the gospel story. It means for all of us that we are changed with new wine, with new life, with new purpose, and with new identity. And we think of obedience, being disciples, growing into his likeness because he touched us and now we grow into what we are supposed to be in his name, obedience, servanthood, the things he has asked us to do, to gather in fellowship, to care for one another, to study his word, to feed the poor. All of these things that are tasks, things that we can do, we don't do them out of, well, I guess we should do it, submission. We do it as he touched me. And because of that, I want to turn outward and let the world know of this sign that points to the Messiah. What a story we have to ponder this morning. And may it inform once again your depth and love and knowledge of our Savior, and may it inform your discipleship as day by day you are being made into his image and likeness. In his holy name, amen.